Hello, audience, and welcome back to our show. Today. <laughs> God, what an opening. <laughs> I put so much work into that. I was all week prepping what I was going to say, and I figured it was best to address the audience as such. And then this is our show, so we need a nice little welcome mat for them to walk in on. You know? No. But well, okay. Well, we have news for Nebraska football. First news in a couple weeks. And this is news that, you know, we've quite frankly seen coming for a while now. Uh, we actually did a segment on what if this happened because it looked like it was going to happen in March. And that is J.D. Spielman, uh, the man who is 20 receptions and 200 yards away from being Nebraska's all-time leader in both of those categories, announcing that he will not be playing for the Huskers his senior season and instead will try to enter the transfer portal. His, his case of the transfer portal is an awful weird one. Since he hasn't graduated yet and he is a senior, he will either need to apply for a waiver if he wants to go to FBS again or play at a lower level. I think his chances of getting a waiver are rather strong given the COVID pandemic chaos that the transfer portal will have and the fact that he initially took a break for medical reasons, even though I'm not so sure that's why he decided to transfer. But it's official. We... <laughs> yeah. Uh, where do we start? Do we start with how this feels or do we start with what this means? Let's, let's do the feeling part because, like, even though the writing has been on the wall since he announced he would not be there for spring practice, like, I think we kind of forgot about that when there was no spring practice. Um, <laughs> so now, with the football season seeming almost inevitable in some form, knowing he's not going to be there is just... <laughs> It don't make you feel too good about what's going to happen, you know? I just, I can't get myself excited for Oscar football this fall. I can. And here's why. Okay. Spielman, it absolutely sucks to lose him, obviously. But, but like I said, we did know it was coming. S still sucks. Wish him the best unless he goes to Minnesota, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, this year for Husker football is, is, I think, the first year where we get to test the theory of this is what Scott Frost's team looks like with his players. Because Spielman, as great as he was, he was a Riley guy. Riley recruited him, and he just stayed on with Frost. This offense, this coming season, Besides maybe a couple O-linemen, it's going to be all Frost guys. Martinez, a Frost guy. Diedrich Mills, Frost guy. Wandale, Scott Frost guy. And any one of our receivers who we will try to shove into a Spielman spot are Scott Frost guys. So everyone who said Scott Frost, yeah, he's been underwhelming, but just wait until he gets his guys, his players. And this is our first chance to see what that's going to look like more than ever has before. Because this offense, if it's going to be any good, that, that weight falls entirely on Frost guys this year. So then, 
that makes it very interesting. And I may or may not have been watching highlight film of all the four-star receivers who <laughs> are going to be freshmen this year. And that may or may not have got the hype juices flowing again. <laughs> yep. I don't know. It's not going to feel the same. No. It's going to be nice to have football back. But I also just think that there's there's a lot of factors making me frustrated with Husker football right now. Um, I think it's becoming clear that more and more it seems rampant wrongdoing has has plagued the program. And it might be getting to the point where we can't ignore it anymore. Which to be clear, is a good thing. But it's certainly going to put a damper on my ability to enjoy this program. You know? I think my frustration also just falls on the fact that the more I look back at Bo Pelini, the more I'm like, man, as much as this, he wronged this place, this place wronged him. You know, just we, maybe not as much. Maybe it's not an even thing. But he wasn't given the faith that people should have given him. I, all of my offseason thoughts have boiled down to if they hadn't put that second back on the clock, he'd still be here and he'd be a hero. You know, yeah. And it's hard for me to to believe things can be going that great when Spielman leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Because I very rarely think, especially star players, transfer for one reason. I mean, he's not transferring because he wasn't about to get minutes. No, nope. he was going to get plenty of those. Yeah, it's it's not like he's transferring. I mean, I really think it must boil down to he doesn't see this place working out the way that he could expect his senior year to go somewhere else. And maybe he has NFL aspirations, and maybe he thinks he can't chase those here. And I think that's fair. I think that Adrian does not make him look like a good receiver. I don't think that Adrian as a quarterback is allowing him to live up to his full potential. And as much as his, like, style as a wide receiver would fit the scheme if it was running perfectly, it's it not. It wasn't. <laughs> and it won't be this fall because we are not going to have the practices we need to field a clean and polished team. So what are we going to see? We're going to see the same damn thing we've seen the last two years. Sparks of talent from Wandale, occasionally from Adrian, occasionally from the McCaffrey kid, with very little leadership, very little wherewithal, and an incredible amount of needless bull. Is there a chance? Is there absolutely a chance because this is a weird year that somehow we put it together and somehow it works out and everything goes fine? Sure. There's, there's always that chance. And it's probably higher in a COVID universe where up is down and down is up. 
But, like, I just – you have to do some serious mental work to get this team to 6-6. Six and six. Uh, You have to bend over backwards to get this team to 8-4. and four. Uh, eight and four, I would say. I don't think six and six is a hundred percent out of the question Which on paper. Which games do we win? Okay, that's that's where the problem comes in is the schedule, because I <laughs> see. So so right now I've got us, you know, maybe two or three of the non-conference games, whichever one we lose wouldn't surprise me. Okay, which non-conference games do we have? Let me pull the schedule back up. Are we, gonna play, are, are we gonna play the good old game of win-loss? You know we play this like every other episode. Yes. <laughs> I think we'll. I think by the time the season starts, we will have predicted every single possible outcome of this season. Oh yeah, it all depends on our mood. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, so we play Purdue. Yes, Purdue. Uh, Opening week, that feels like a trap. We could lose or we could win. I... Okay. So let's, put, let's, let's do three categories. Solid win, definite loss, bubble. Top, I, I'd say Purdue is a toss-up only because it's week one. Right. I don't know, though. How do we play against Purdue this year? Terribly, but that was at Purdue. Like, I get Purdue. That's not, like, an incredibly tough place to play. But, like, it makes me feel better knowing that we have them here now, you know? <laughs> like, we really realistically play that much better at home. <laughs> I think Purdue probably will play worse on the road okay. than we will play better at home. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. So we that I, yeah, I still think that's a bubble game. So do I. Only because okay. it's week one and nobody knows anything about what college football is going to be this fall. So but it's probably a lean win instead of a lean loss. Yes. Um, Central Michigan. That, that's confident dub. The, I think the Chips won the MAC last year, though. Oh, God. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I think two dubs out of those three games are reasonable. I think the most likely loss is Cincinnati. Oh, yes. Cincinnati. I'm low-key doing definite loss for that because they're likely going to be ranked in the 20 to 25 range by the time they come to town. They're one of the top teams in the American. They're returning a lot of players. This team would be a mid-to-upper-tier Power 5 conference team instead of the best group of five conference team this year. I really believe that. So with a reasonable to high amount of optimism – we're through four games with three wins. Yes. Uh, South Dakota State, who we have not talked about this episode, um, I'd say I'm less confident than Central Michigan about, but... Yeah. But more confident than Cincinnati. Yes. Which, okay, I like that week one, Purdue, you get a conference win off the bat, that's momentum. Yes. Which we think, again, more likely than not, we win that game. Yes, based on almost nothing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, based on our talent level and theoretically coaching ability and theoretically they have to play on the road. 
and theoretically we're healthy when the season starts. Which, like, who knows? Who knows what health even is anymore? (laughs) Not having the coronavirus. That's A1. Yes. I think... Here's where I'm at. I think our players, like... We have a lot of injury-prone guys in the first place. Um, we have like Wandale's a small dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's Jack. Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna be that like sports guy who's like he's tiny. Like, no, Wandale could kick my both of his hands tied behind his back. But like for a D1 football player especially as a running back, especially in the ways that we use him where he's just out in the open without any coverage fairly frequently. Like, Wandale will get hurt at some point this season. Yes, especially now that he is offensive weapon number one after Spielman's He's our best receiver and probably our – at least our most explosive running back. Yes. It's, It's like the classic thunder and lightning formula almost, you know? Diedrich will five yards down the field get the time, and then Wandale will either strike for 30 or run sideways for a loss of one. Which is such a Nebraska thing. (laughs) And the thing that frustrates me about Thunder and Lightning is you never know who to call on third and short. No. Right? That's the frustrating thing. (laughs) Because theoretically it should be Thunder, but... The temptation for lightning is so much there. Right, because everyone expects. So that's why you put him in split back. And then you end up running a QB draw that loses five. Well, if you're us, yes, that's what you do. Because we have a mobile quarterback that is somehow not that mobile and not that good at throwing the ball. So, But somehow that's all going to change this upcoming season. <laughs> Which I think it might. Adrian Martinez is like my golf game. There are moments of sheer brilliance, mostly bookended by just utterly confounding garbage. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So we are both kind of tentatively saying we expect at least three through the first four. Worst case scenario, two, but at least three. But four but is very unlikely. Two point five is the right answer. Yes. No, but okay. Think about us, like three years ago. Not three. What was that one good Mike Riley year? Sixteen. Yeah. Think about us in sixteen. Like that sixteen team would have gone four and zero here without breaking a sweat. Since yeah. I could see them struggling with Cincinnati, but I do think 2016 Nebraska versus 2020 Cincinnati would be a win for the Huskers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that team took Wisconsin to overtime on the road that year. That that team was no slouch until Ohio State creamed us and we just gave up. Yeah, broke our souls. Mm-hmm. Um, Northwestern, bubble. I'd say it's more bubble than not, but we have a tendency of just pulling out random crap against Northwestern, more so than any other team we face. Whoever wins that game 
will pull off random crap. I think for every two bubble games, we should assume one is a win. So and now then one is got, a loss. Okay. Now that we've got Cincinnati and Northwestern. Now Cincinnati is a clear loss for me at this point. I haven't talked myself into we can win that game yet. No. <laughs> okay. So, but then here's where it gets Illinois. I, I think that's a dub. Lovey Smith does not have his beard anymore. That was the source of their powers. I think. Okay. <laughs> God. But here's the thing. If we're going to go six and six, we almost have to win six of our first seven. Yes, we, we, we need to sweep the bubble games. We truly do. Like, okay. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Before just hits the fan in our schedule. So, but, like, okay, now I'm getting – because this is what Husker fans do. They break their own hearts. <laughs> now I'm getting optimistic. You see? We could – All of those first seven in my mind, because it's Cincinnati. They're one of the most consistent group of five teams of the past decade. And this is, could be their best team yet. If we have bowl eligibility locked up before we play... The gauntlet? Ohio State on Halloween. So there goes my enjoying Halloween. But let's say, God, let's say we've got six wins before we get to Ohio State. Unlikely, but there is a universe where that could happen, I I suppose. (laughs) Well, again, six of the first seven, which means you're saying there's at least one loss to either Cincinnati Northwest, Purdue, Purdue, or Northwestern. Oh, well, you. I'm saying Illinois. Illinois. I, they did turn things around second half of the year. I think there's no denying that. They were on the upward trajectory to end that season. I think almost losing to us was their wake up call. Um, yeah. But do I, you trust Illinois to sustain that? I don't trust Illinois to sustain success. I trust us to find a way to lose to Illinois. <laughs> I, I really just... For all know. of Frost's shortcomings in his first two years, he has yet to lose to Illinois. <laughs> and we have Illinois at home this year. Again, I'm not convinced games at home <laughs> make us better. What about that Colorado game our freshman year at home? That was our first game under Scott no, Frost. No, that should be the kind of moment that a crowd can carry you through. This team is crowd-proof. They do not care. <laughs> okay, but counterpoint is that Northwestern game this year at home. Like, But, but regardless of where it happens, we're happens against Northwestern. Okay, true. It is the purest Big Ten football in the world. It is. I, 
I love our Northwestern games so much because it is the classic case of one team is going to lose this game. Nobody will win. Yes, absolutely. We, I, look, I look forward to the Northwestern game not as a rivalry because I don't think we've stooped that low. But um, Just as a collective suffering from both fan bases. Right, like, like this is going to be a terrible time. But we are just all going to agree not to have fun. Before our last second kick against Northwestern, nobody was confident from either side. Northwestern fans were like, we're really about to lose to a third string free safety kicking a 21 yard field goal. And Husker fans are like, we're really about to lose because our third string free safety can't make a 20 yard field goal. And like, never has a 20 yard field goal resulted in a crowd of 90,000 people being no. completely silent before. Just shocked when it went. Just a yes. Like, it was a delayed reaction when that went through. It hit the net. And then we saw the signal. We still didn't believe it. And then he was like, it's good. We were like, it's good. I guess. I mean, that's like the signs that it went well. Yes. See it with our own eyes. Have the referees tell us, and then have the PA explain that things had gone well before we were like, holy sh**, we won that game somehow. Yes. Our third string free safety made it 20 I feel like we hung out after that game. Probably. walking back and just being like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Which is how I feel every single time we play Northwestern. Yes. Either what the hell just happened, or how the hell did we lose that game? Okay, I'm excited for Husker football. Yeah. So, but then here's the thing. Let's say we have our six going into the final stretch there. Mm-hmm. This would seem to say we are a pretty good team. If nothing else, I mean, not good, but like competent. Better than the last two years. Right. We would have to improve. Which, theoretically, we, we have a do. lot of people turning. Our run game should be better. Our defense should be vastly better. Yes. Because our defense got better throughout the year last year. Mm-hmm. Our O-line got better throughout the year last year. And it bodes well for a team to have a bunch of returners. Yes. Like, if we just plug our ears and pretend that Spielman just declared for the draft, and that's why he left, like, our offense, we'd be feeling way more confident about it, I, is what I'm saying. Cause, like, oh, yeah. It's not the losing Spielman. I mean, okay, the losing Spielman bothers me. But more than the losing Spielman, it's the how we lost Spielman and why we seem to have lost Spielman that makes me say, Mm -hmm. now, okay, I'm also not a college athlete. So, to my dad's chagrin. So, I don't, like, know what goes into that decision-making process. I can only imagine that this guy knows what he's doing. I would hope. I, I, I would hope for his sake he gets the way the way. The waiver, not the wafer. I, yeah. Unless he wants a wafer, he can go to the store and buy a wafer. But uh, so just jack them from a church or something. They've got plenty. But uh, that's an interesting. 
economic problem. Do you think churches are still buying hosts from the little nuns that make hosts? Now that they don't have anyone to give them to during the COVIDs. Is there just a stockpile of, like, future Jesus somewhere? Yeah, just... I don't know how those are made. No, I've never put thought into it. Yes, you have, because we got showed a video in grade school. I don't remember crap about videos we watched in grade school. See, I do, and this is why my life is cursed. Uh, no! Yeah, there was a whole thing. What grade was this? Uh, the grade with the stuff, with the, uh, with the, I want to say it was like fifth grade, like. That's about where I'd place it if I had to just judge which teacher would have shown us that. Yes, that, that would check out, but. He was like, look at these heroic little nuns that are making, like, hosts so all of you can get the Jesus. And then. And then the nuns would, like, have a conveyor belt that would look a lot like the guys who, like, go to prison and press license plates. Like, it was like, there's some Jesus. More future Jesus. And there's this one little nun just, like, sweating and, like, cursing in Spanish. Like, like lifting and closing this Jesus press all day. As, like, you can hear a chain gang in the background, like, singing a spiritual and and breaking rocks with picks. It was dramatic. That's the only reason I remember it. No, that's how hosts get made. So now my question is, do they just have this giant backlog of like like communion wafers? That is an excellent question. Who knows? I have no idea. Is is anybody doing the journalism on this? I think I'm going to pitch this story at work tomorrow. Please do. I'm I'm gonna Google what happened to the comedian host because of COVID. <laughs> From BalkanInsight.com, we have oh. Communion and the coronavirus. COVID-19 triggers deep orthodox divisions. So That's great. not what I want. <laughs> but this sounds way more fun. But this, I am intrigued still. I want to listen to bearded men who believe only two-dimensional images of saints should exist argue about how to distribute communion during a pandemic. <laughs> Niche religious arguments about meaningless things are like my favorite wikipedia rabbit holes to fall down especially if it has like random like balkan european countries like i'm reading about bulgaria and montenegro right now like oh are the bulgarians and montenegrins doing it different yes there's tension between them according to crisis experts <laughs> watch the balkans erupt back into war over <laughs> How the Orthodox are doing communion. <laughs> I would really like to be an Archbishop. And here's why. I would really just like to be referred to as Your Excellency everywhere I go. I'm getting so many good band names out of this article. <laughs> here's my new metal band, Seraphim of Piraeus. Um, but yes. Not nearly as good as Franz Ferdinand, but, no. you know. <laughs> We're a cover band. Um, 
It's just a cover band. We sing Take Me Out five times. And then yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Is that seriously Archbishop Code, though? Is like Your Excellency everywhere? I think it might even just be regular bishops. Because hmm. the Pope gets your holiness. Yes. But I think, and I don't, I mean, I'd like to be the Pope because I like red shoes and and big jewelry, but as, as much as the next guy. But um, but I think I'd really just like to be an archbishop because being pope sounds like a lot of headaches. Mm-hmm. Like you can be quiet as an archbishop, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially if you're the archbishop of somewhere chill. Like, or or like, the Balkans. <laughs> it cannot be that hard to be the archbishop of, like, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Like, you know, I'm sure that the Diocese of Poughkeepsie is, like, pretty low-key. You can just kind of, like, hang out. Like, what does a bishop have to do? He's got to go around the, like, travel a little bit, rub some chrism on some foreheads of, of, of like, 5th to 12th graders. But probably not anymore because of COVID. Like, You're right. Being a COVID bishop would be even easier. Yes. Because now, what do you got to do? Well, you got to write, like, four letters a year. Uh, you got to, like, uh, you got to, like, move priests around to different places. Musical but chairs honestly, with priests. A lovely the, tradition. The way that that seems to be done is mostly, like, we just get a board and then, like, like a dartboard and we put, like, the names of parishes on the dartboard and put the names of priests on darts and just go, woo, okay, divine intervention. And then, like, you're done in, like, ten minutes and it was a good time anyway. Anyway, so the second half of the season looks terrible. Oh, yeah. Like, like just dreadful. Do you want to read off these names while I curl up into a ball and die? I wanted to curl up in a ball and die while you read them, but I shall sacrifice myself. So, so we've got a little... We didn't talk about Rutgers, but LOL Rutgers. Rutgers um, is an auto-dub. If, and if, then, if we lose to Rutgers, send Frost on the train. Okay. Okay. I do like the month of November this year because it goes in sevens. That's which we cute. love. It's we perfect. Do. So... On Halloween, we play the Ohio State Ohio University. State University at Ohio State. Oh, that one's at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Then it seems like Penn State comes to town. Yes, Penn State comes to town on the seventh of November. Mm-hmm. Then on the fourteenth of November, absurdly early. For an Iowa game. It's the Iowa game. It's the Iowa game. In Iowa. Iowa. And then it's the Wisconsin game on the 21st at Wisconsin. At Wisconsin. And then Minnesota comes to us on the 27th, which I – oh, is that Thanksgiving? I assume that's Black Friday. Black Friday, yeah, that's what it it is. (sighs) So, I honestly, it's not like I would like our chances in a Black Friday Iowa game this year. But I'd feel better. 
I feel better about that. Because we've gotten so dang close to beating Iowa these past two years. And, and Iowa's not that hard a place to travel to. No. They'll turn out for us, but their fans are weak sauce and stupid, and I hate them. I hate Iowa fans. I hate them now. After this year, holy crap. It's like, it's not a rivalry because eventually we will be good enough where we will just destroy them every single year. And other lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> I hate you. But you're right. But they, They've hung half a decade on us, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Think about how many decades we hung on Colorado. Like, four. And, and, and look how that turned out for us in these last two games, huh? Well, yeah, okay, rough patch, rough patch. We're thinking broadly. The arc of history is long, and it bends towards Nebraska. And I don't know. I'm convinced that one day, like, we will look back at these Iowa games and laugh. I hope. And be like, LOL, that sucked. We're a powerhouse again. I really hope, because it's either that or Iowa's our peak, you know? Well, like, there is – I stand by the fact that eventually in my lifetime, Nebraska will get back. Because there is more want to have a football dynasty in this state than there is anywhere else in the nation. Per capita passion for the football team, unparalleled. Yes, but – Gosh, just looking at what, how we fare against the big boys, the gap is so, so big. Well, so this and, is a perfect place to transition, though. I think Bill Moose is starting to realize he has to play the long game. And Okay, so, like, we've talked our way through, like, how we could get to a bowl game this year. I would not at all be surprised, just to backtrack for a second, I would not at all be surprised if we lose everything after Ohio State. Me neither. I, I wouldn't be surprised I, if we eke one out against either Iowa or Minnesota because Iowa, like, the rule of third states that this game is not going to be Iowa by a field goal, whether that means Iowa just boat races us or we squeak one out. There's no way we lose to Iowa like that again a third year in a row. I mean, say that now. <laughs> I I think that if we lose to Iowa, we lose close. I think Minnesota is either we get burnt or we burn them. Minnesota, I have no idea how they're going to do this year. Every everything looks up for them because they had, by all accounts, exceeded every expectation of them last year and almost backdoored their way into the Rose Bowl. But do I trust them to sustain that? I don't know. Like, I, I, I want P.J. Fleck to prove it before I start getting worried about Minnesota again. Right. Yeah, me too. But, yeah, I think that that's – I think this is probably a down year for Minnesota. I would hope so. Because you go on this incredible run and then you have to replicate it again and nah. Nah. Yeah. The, the team Minnesota reminds me most of is Washington State from 2018 because they right. 
they were like 11 and one, like going into their final rivalry game against Washington. And, and like, I was a Washington state fan at that time as sort of my second team because Nebraska was so disappointing and I needed a bandwagon to hop on. And everyone was like, yeah, it sucks that we lost earlier in the year or else we could be in the playoffs, but still we just win our rivalry game. We're in the Rose bowl. And then they just get creamed in the rivalry game in the snow, which happened in both Minnesota and Washington state seasons. And then Washington state went six and six the very next year. It's like, sounds like an us thing in a few years. <laughs> you know I aspire to give for a Minnesota type season. Like, Next year, my firstborn. Yeah, like, like just just to be in college while we're kind of good is something I want to experience. But I think it's almost gonna be sweeter that they sucked through our college career. No, and they're good later. Not at all. I don't know. Do you know how much money I am giving to this school that I am going to solely because I wanted to see these football games? <laughs> I want one bowl game, and I want one big win by the time I'm done with this place. I want a bowl game. And if we go to a bowl game, you and I are going to the bowl game. Yes. I really want a bowl game. <laughs> but... Okay, let's do the conversation we do every time after we finish this conversation. Do we keep Frost for another year if we don't make a bowl? I'd say because of COVID, we, we're going to. Whether we should or not, that's, the, that's a question. But because, because, you know, we didn't have the time to get his guys in order. Like, this year is going to be very dependent on if these newcomers can step up and if we can stay healthy as a team. So if either of those two things don't really happen, I think he'll get a pass for another year because A, all oh, these freshmen didn't produce, but they were just freshmen. Give them another year. Or B, oh, do you see how many injuries we have? It's not our fault Adrian got COVID before the Wisconsin game, you know? <laughs> Speaking of Adrian Martinez, boy's going to make some bang. Yes. Yes, he is. If this happens, which I hope it does soon. Uh, I think we're thinking it's going to come up next January in front of Congress. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Anyway, let's fill the people in. Uh, because as much as this often just feels like a conversation between the two of us, I think sometimes people listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This, uh, so over the past few years, there's been this new job that has emerged called social media influencer. It's where these mostly really, it's a profession. It's where these <sighs> mostly teens through early twenties people get paid by products to advertise those products on their social media pages that have huge followings they have built either through TikTok, fashion, or screenshotting other people's memes and reposting them. And now college athletics is going to get in on the influencer game. And I would just like to say, 
<laughs> I would just like to say that if. <laughs> oh, God help me. I'd just like to say that if the Founding Fathers knew about this, they would have let themselves get steamrolled. <laughs> like, they would have just turned around and ripped up the Declaration of Independence and said, take us back, please God, take us back, like Britain was our, like, ex-girlfriend. That's what would have happened. They would have yeah. given up. This is not the America they fought for. And I just want to throw out there that the, the course of events that gets us to this point, while I think it is good that college athletes are finally going to have a way to make income, that, of course, doesn't actually hinder the university's ability to make money in any way, shape, or form, because that was never going to happen. But the fact that these literal slaves are now, like, finally... I mean, slaves is probably strong. Indentured servants is accurate. These, like, indentured servants are being given away to, like, make cash flow off of literally this. This and their name. Which, like, if you can find a way where your name and likeness is is worth something, you are probably in the top percentile of people in whatever you are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who aren't, like, young, and even I don't get it half the time, but if a company pays A.G. Martinez to take, like, a selfie of him with whatever product they have. Like, this is the automatic salad dressing maker 2.0. It takes any liquid and makes it in the salad dressing. I use it all the time. That's... Stop. Come up with a new metaphor. I don't know. I... Oh, shoot. New metaphor. Uh, Nick, 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 uh, I'm passing the metaphor baton on to you. That was, that was the best I could do off the top of my head. There are so many things you could have picked. Gatorade. Gatorade is only going to market this way from now on. True. I guess I could have done that, but in my my experience with influencers, uh, normally it's just these niche obscure products that get advertised on these pages. Oh, yeah. Like, Adrian Martinez is absolutely going to make an Orbeez commercial, right? Yes. And, uh, also, I love the fact that Jordan Westerkamp and Kenny Bell are literally just Twitch streamers now. Yes! Like, that's, <laughs> like, that's a job. Hey, we, I had a funny mustache. I had big hair. Watch us play video games. And, and Husker fans flock in the thousands to watch these guys every night. They're good on Twitch! I they like, are! They're fun to watch! <laughs> God. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't understand is, I guess Gatorade, if you don't like whatever example I would come up with next, but people, but Gatorade paying Adrian Martinez to take a picture of him with a Gatorade bottle, that's likely going to reach just as many people, if not more, as a spot on TV would nowadays. More. More. More in the Target demo. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, like, regionally. You have to do this for every Adrian Martinez across the country, yes. right? But Gatorade's got the money where they could do that. And like, Think about how much money like a Joe Burrow would have made off of this. Especially oh. considering who Joe Burrow is. And like clean cut white kid quarterback will always be like Greek god tier the United States of America. Especially in the South. Like at this point, I'm amazed that they haven't given that kid the deed to the state of Louisiana. 
Like, like honestly, or the whole Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> Him and Coach O will split it. Um. Oh, no. Coach O's running for president. I'm convinced. <laughs> it's a matter of time before Coach Orgeron takes his, like, ham sandwich party all the way to the Oval, Justin. The ham sandwich party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's running as a third-party candidate. You'd have to live in a crazy state like Nebraska to elect somebody in a mainstream party to high office when their only qualification is that they were a football coach that won you some national championship. We're the only place in the union that's ever going to do that. Until Orgeron. Until Orgeron. Well, no, because he's going to oh, have Oh, yeah, to Sam run. Sandwich Party. Or, like, the gumbo pot party. Like, that feels like a Cojo thing. <laughs> the gumbo party. Ed Orgeron, I pay taxes. Why should I? I don't pay taxes. Why should you? <laughs> Go Tags. Ed Orgeron, abolish Alabama. Go Tags. Writing him in. Um, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he'd make a great president. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Policies, no idea, but he would give the nation the best pep talk it's ever had. <laughs> oh yeah, we'd all win one for the Gipper. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine him giving the like classic like president has to rally the stock market address? Like, remember that time that George. George W. Bush got out there after 9-11 and told America to spend freedom dollars. Like, the most patriotic thing you can do this weekend is to go to the mall. Big Orgeron vibes from that moment. Like, he just to eat more gumbo and buy more ham sandwiches. Is cheer on the Tigers this Saturday in the swamp? We're playing Bama. He'd somehow simultaneously still be the head coach of LSU. Yes. Because <laughs> being president would take up so little of his time. <laughs> and like the wherewithal, he would still have time to win daddies. <laughs> if anyone could do it, it would be at Orchard. Oh, for sure. But... You know, it's like kind of incredible to me that Tom Osborne never ran for president. I mean, it was a different world where, like, you could only run for president if you were qualified. But, like, you know. But well, was he that, that popular like, outside of Nebraska? I think, like, he was a household name. The problem is he pissed off so much of the Big 12 that would have been his, like, core, mm-hmm. like, political demographic that, like... And with the way we treated Miami in the 90s, he sure wouldn't have won Florida. Mm-mm. God. So, there's this organization in Nebraska that's going to help college athletes become influencers. They're called Open Doors, and if that doesn't sound like the evil empire from Star Wars, I don't know what does. Maybe Huddle. Huddle, definitely. Huddle is the evil empire. They they just parked the Death Star downtown. That building gives me the heebie friggin' jeebies. If you've ever been in the College of Business, they have, like, the biggest picture possible of the it's huddle, guys. Like a shrine! 
I didn't know they made photographs that large. I didn't either. And they all look the same. Yes, they do. They have the like, same face, just different hair colors. If you told me their names and shuffled them around like cups in the, the like cup ball game at the at the Haymarket Park, like yeah. for the salt, I would have no idea. No idea. Terrifying. Anyway, Horrifying. these are the people who are putting the fates of college athletes' hands into their yes. hands. Fates, oh God. Word soup. But you know what I mean. And they've estimated that Adrian Martinez could make $147,000 a year doing the Influencer Games. It does. And I'm not so sure how they calculated it because I checked his socials and uh, he has half as many Instagram followers as Lexi Sun does. And they have Lexi making like $30,000 a year. Doesn't make sense to me. I think that's just the misogyny poll, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like sad to say. How many social media followers does Lexi have? She's at like 61,000. Wow. I also feel like this is operating under their current numbers. And like it is not that hard to teach somebody how to social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus she posts more frequently than Adrian does. So right. So if you get Adrian to post more frequently, mm-hmm. not to mention that like the university wants them to make a bunch of money to look cutting edge and also to boost recruiting. So the university is going to let them post things that I feel like most universities would be skittish to let their athletes post. So it's going to be like, yo, here's a friggin' Instagram live from practice. What the hell? Mm-hmm. We are a company now. <sighs> God, it's going to be a mess. Oh, it is. If, if there's but anything... going to help us in recruiting in the short term. Mm-hmm. It's going to get a lot of our players eventually indicted for tax fraud. That's always a plus. <laughs> no, but okay. <laughs> um... I honestly don't have that many thoughts about this. Like, it was something I felt important to mention on the podcast, but, like, here are my thoughts. One, this helps us with recruiting. Two, it's the right thing to do. Three, why has this not happened before? Four, ugh, influencers. Oh, yeah, gross. I hate this. Like, I, I, this is the, I just think it's totally stupid that colleges aren't like, oh, we shouldn't compensate our biggest money makers in some way from the actual money we're making. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what's going to come eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, in some ways, I think this is not so much a stopgap, but like it buys time for universities to continue exploiting their actual on field talent by just allowing them name and likeness stuff. Oh, actually, thought number five, I feel like this definitely means that NCAA football is coming back. I would hope, I would really hope, like, I think they need sort of a players union before, that would make it so much easier because then they could just license everybody in that union instead of reaching out to every player individually, you know? 
I, I yeah, think... but I think that a players' union is like not that hard to put together mm-hmm. because like everyone will want to join it. There would be no reason to scab because like what the players' union is effectively going to do is be like, guess what? Each of you are going to get five dollars. Congrats. Go buy a sandwich. Oh, wait. Just have a booster do it for you. Nice scooter, nerd. That's one of the weirdest things about Nebraska. Like, we decided to buy all the players electric scooters because nothing's more badass than a big, strong dude, like, absolutely beating the hell out of a Razor scooter. That If that's what my tuition money's going towards, I will support it 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> New facilities for learning? Nah, make Huddle pay for that. Like, I really hope Huddle paid for that shrine and we just didn't give it to him. Like, <laughs> No, Huddle helped pay for the building. Okay, good. That's why they got a shrine. <laughs> and speaking of people on motorized vehicles, um, Nick has an idea. Well, so first I want to tell you guys about something beautiful. And I don't even know where to begin. There's a race. Every year. In Le Mans, France. Called the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, it's part of the World Endurance Championship. We've talked about it here on the pod in the past. Just know, one of the most prestigious races in the world, part of the Motorsport Triple Crown, big deal. That is where it ceases to be important to this conversation. Because some absolutely beautiful people have come up with something even better. Um, and it is referred to as the 24 Hours of Lemons. Which is an endurance racing series for cars that are worth less than $500. Now, I don't know if you've ever shopped for a used car. Absolute beaters that run cost about a thousand. And that is for insanely high mileage, barely put together, things and scratches. Like it moves forward right now type of a car. It is legitimately difficult to find vehicles that work that cost less than $500. And so, what they do is they race these things around closed tracks for 24 straight hours. Now, part of what makes the WEC interesting is that it requires not only speed, but also reliability. <laughs> but it puts these incredibly, incredibly complex cars on a huge stress test. And it puts drivers in an incredible stress test to move these elegant and fast machines for 24 straight hours. Um, the 24 Hours of Lemons does the same thing in $500 cars. This is really a difficult thing to explain. You need to go to their website, and you need to go to their YouTube channel. If for no other reason than if it brings you a fraction of the joy it has brought me watching the last couple of days, it will have been worth it for you, I promise. Um, <laughs> it's just, they're 
they're driving these things and you're surprised they move and they're pulling like 75 in them and it's incredible but in addition to doing this they do two other series they do an electric series in which they like <laughs> take these absolute beater cars that they have to buy the shell for for less than $500 and put electric components in them to make them an absolutely electric vehicle, which is just a feat of redneck engineering that I can't even wrap my head around. Like, I have no idea how you take a bombed out Buick and turn it into like a Tesla. And then they have this other thing. Now here's, here's where things get interesting. It's called Lemons, Lemons Rally. Basically, you buy these total beater cars and you go on what basically equates to like a three-day scavenger hunt through interesting parts of the country. You meet at different checkpoints, you do different things, you get points for doing that, and then like people win, but really it's just an excuse to go on a terrible road trip in a terrible car. So I think we should do it <laughs> because it's like a $500 injury fee and like a $500 car. And if we get four guys before food, it's like, a, like we're going to sleep in the car. <laughs> It's like a $250 three-day vacation. <laughs> and we get to learn how to work on cars. <laughs> It'll be great. There's no way this could possibly go wrong. At all. <laughs> there are so many ways this could go terribly wrong. Mind you that the race, race, the rally is in one month. And we oh, haven't yeah. even found a car yet. Nope, we don't even have a car. <laughs> no. I haven't even bought automobiles for dummies. <laughs> no. This is literally square zero. But for content's sake, I think oh. we're going to do a go at it, at least. Well, so here's where I'm at. I don't know if we'll do this year. Oh, okay. We need to talk. We need to think about it. I'm already taking off a bunch of work for one vacation I have to go on this summer. There's also so many things that could go wrong. Yes. <laughs> like, we would have to bring a second vehicle to the general vicinity. Right? Like, mm -hmm. one that we knew could get us back home. The one that we would be looking at would be July 10th through the 12th, 2020. We have to register by July 5th. But basically, it goes... <laughs> God... This is a daunting thing to even say, but it goes through the Rocky Mountains across the entire western part of Colorado in a $500 car. So one of the checkpoints is the top of Pikes Peak. Oh. We have to get this thing to the top of Pikes Peak, Justin. Not to mention that we live seven hours away. We have to get this vehicle there. You have to drag it up one of the tallest places in North America on the first day. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds like 
a made-for-TV sports movie that's on, like, ABC Family. This is going to be so... Okay. The first day, it's estimated that we'll go from 285 to 360 miles. I don't, like, I just don't think we could make a vehicle go cross-country and back and also put it through hell those few days. I wish I had come across this months earlier. But I assume everything up until that's been either canceled slash rescheduled. Well, let me see here. Because not too many events have taken place in the past March through May. Justin, there is another one. Where? What? Oh, God, no, this one's crazy. Oh, this one's bananas. Okay, there's one in October. But it goes from Chicago to Santa Monica. So not only we have to get it to Chicago, we have to get it them from Chicago to Santa Monica. Monica Ed back. <laughs> it's probably not doable. But at least we thought about it, so that counts as trying. Are you, I mean, I'm interested in doing this. Yes, I do want to do this, too. Like, it'd be a great time just... Ah, oh, God. I prefer more than 30 days of heads up, basically. <laughs> Although, here's... Okay. Here's another concept we could do. We could not do it associated with this. Yeah. And just, like, I love the idea of this challenge. Let's get some guys together. Let's buy a terrible car. Let's soup it up to be everything it can possibly be. With a budget of $500. What do you think the most ridiculous driving challenge in Nebraska would be? I don't know if there's a good Nebraska driving challenge. Car engine back? Car engine. <laughs> if it breaks down, we leave it there. No, this is our, our plan. We tried to add it to Car Hench without anybody noticing. <laughs> that sounds like a felony. Um, I never said it was a legal challenge, but it's, it's, it's my idea. We add something to Car Hench and see if anybody notices. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I doubt you have a night watchman there. I think the idea of Let's look for, by the end of the summer, a really cheap and terrible car. Mm-hmm. Take it to the bowl game. If we have one. Th- but that's, that's your incentive, pretty. Nebraska football. We could, be, we could be building a car to drive to nothing. <laughs> this is the Zaxby's Heart of Chicken Bowl. With Nebraska taking on six and seven Louisiana Tech, and I think I think if we don't go to a bowl, we should just pick an arbitrary bowl. Wait, I think we're at Rutgers, so we could <gasps> drive to Rutgers. Drive to <laughs> Rutgers in a five hundred dollar car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, the tickets are going to cost just about as much as the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a terrible idea no matter what we do. Yes. 
<laughs> oh god. <laughs> Here's my other thing. The more drivers we take, the less we have to drive. And if we take somebody who knows something about cars, the less we have to learn ourselves. But also, the more people in this vehicle, the less comfortable it's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to do something along these lines. I think it would make a great story and be super fun. Yes. All right. Who needs to be associated with things anyways? Right. Things are the worst. Always. Organized events. God. Nouns. They suck. Collectively. We haven't had any for four months. It's because they all suck. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. So that's our harebrained idea. Yes. Follow us for uh, for more harebrained ideas. Absolutely. F1 is starting early July. So yeah. before then, we should do a full, like, uh, hype special. Yeah. But, uh, but until then, I'll see you later, man.